All right. Father, thank you so much uh, for the ability to get together and, and study your word. Just be with us all throughout the coming week and, and uh, help us to take your word into the world and be be the light. We've all got spoken and unspoken requests, things that are on our hearts and minds. Just help everybody's health, well-being, peace of mind this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce this, but I'm going to try this. Behar Bekukotai. That sounds amazing. Wrong. <laughs> it's a double portion this week, um, which basically means it's usually split into two, but we do it together. And it is jam-packed, as you can see. There's even something that I had thought of that's not on this list that I want to read. Um, yeah, but we're going to start in Leviticus 25. Any specific Bible? You're usually in the 8C SB, aren't you? Stick with that. What I have been using now. <laughs> All right, we're going to pick up Leviticus 25. It says <clears throat> The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai Speak to the Israelites and tell them. When you enter the land I am going or I am giving you, the land will observe a Sabbath to the Lord. You may sow your field for six years, and you may prune your vineyard and gather its produce for six years. But there will be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land in the seventh year, a Sabbath to the Lord. You are not to sow your field or prune your vineyard. You are not to reap what grows by itself from your crop or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. It must be a year of complete rest for your land. Whatever the land produces during the Sabbath year can be food for you, for yourself, your male or female slave, and the hired hand or foreigner who stays with you. All of its growth may serve as food for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. You are to count seven sabbatical years, seven times seven years. And at that time period of the seven sabbatical years amounts to 49. You are to sound a trumpet loudly in the seventh month on the 10th day of the month you will sound it throughout your land on the Day of Atonement. You are to consecrate the 50th year and proclaim freedom in the land for all its inhabitants. It will be your jubilee. When each of you is to return to his property and each of you to his clan, the 50th year will be your jubilee. You are not to sow, reap what grows by itself, or harvest its untended vines. It is to be holy to you because it is the jubilee. You may only eat its produce directly from the field. In this year of Jubilee, each of you will return his property. If you make a sale to your neighbor or a purchase from him, do not cheat one another. You are to make the purchase from your neighbor based on the number of years since the last Jubilee. He is to sell to you based on the number of remaining harvest years. 
you are to increase its price in proportion to a greater amount of years and decrease its price in proportion to a lesser amount of years, because what he is selling to you is a number of harvests. You are not to cheat one another, but fear your God, for I am Yahweh your God. You are to keep my statutes and ordinances and carefully observe them so that you may live securely in the land. Then, then the land will yield its fruit so that you can eat, be satisfied, and live securely in the land. If you wonder, what will we eat in the seventh year if we don't sow or gather our produce? I will appoint my blessing for you in the sixth year so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating from the previous harvest. You will be eating until you will be eating this until the ninth year when its harvest comes in. The land is not to be permanently sold because it is mine. You are you are only foreigners and temporary residents on my land. You are to allow the redemption of any land you uh, you occupy. If your brother becomes destitute and sells part of his property, his nearest relative may come and redeem what his brother has sold. If a man has no family redeemer, but he prospers and obtains enough to redeem his land, he may calculate the years since its sale, repay the balance to the man he sold it to, and return to his property. But if he cannot obtain enough to repay him, what he sold will remain in possession of its purchaser until the year of Jubilee. It is to be released at the, at the Jubilee so that he may return to his property. If a man sells a residence in a walled city, his right of redemption will last until a year has passed after its sale. His right of redemption will last a year. If it is not redeemed by the end of a full year, then the house in the walled city is permanently transferred to the purchaser throughout his generations. It is not to be released on the Jubilee. But houses and villages that have no walls around them are to be classified as open fields. The right to redeem such houses stays in effect, and they are to be released at the Jubilee. Concerning the Levitical cities, the Levites always have the right to redeem houses in the cities they possess. Whatever property one of the Levites can redeem, a house sold in a city they possess must be released at the Jubilee, because the house or the houses in the Levitical cities are their possession among the Israelites. The open pasture land around their cities may not be sold, for it is their permanent possession. If your brother becomes destitute and cannot sustain himself among you, you are to support him as a foreigner or temporary resident so that he can continue to live among you. Do not profit or take interest from him, but fear your God and let your brother live among you. You are not to lend him your silver with interest or sell him your food for profit. I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. If your brother among you becomes destitute and sells himself to you you must not force him to do slave labor let him stay with you as a hired hand or temporary resident he may work for you until the year of jubilee then he and his children are to be released from you and he may return to his clan and his ancestral property they are not to be sold as slaves because they are my slaves that i brought out of the land of egypt you are not to rule over them harshly but fear your god your male and female slaves are to be from the nations around you you may purchase male and female slaves. You may also purchase them from the foreigners staying with you or from their families living among you, those born in your land. These may become your property. You may leave them to your sons after you to inherit as property. You can make them slaves for life. But concerning your brothers, the Israelites, you must not rule over one another harshly. 
if a foreigner or temporary resident living among you prospers, but your brother living near him becomes destitute and sells himself to the foreigner living among you or to a member of the foreigner's clan, he has the right of redemption after he has been sold. One of his brothers may redeem him. His uncle or cousin may redeem him or any of his close relatives from his clan may redeem him. If he prospers, he may redeem himself. The one who purchased him is to calculate the time from the jubilee or from the year he sold himself to, un, to him until the year of jubilee. The price of his sale will be determined by the number of years. It will be set for him like the daily wages of a hired hand. If many years are still left, he must pay his redemption price in proportion to them based on his purchase price. If only a few years remain until the year of Jubilee, he will calculate and pay the price of his redemption in proportion to his remaining years. He will stay with him like a man hired year by year. A foreign owner is not to rule over him harshly in your sight. If he is not redeemed in any of these ways, he and his children are to be released at the year of Jubilee. For the Israelites are my slaves. They are my slaves that I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am Yahweh your God. Um, can I interject something or ask a question? Nope. Okay, so is that why Laban kept... I'm forgetting. Wow, this is terrible. Is this why Laban only kept the man he kept for like seven years? Well, that would have been the Shemitah year. But talking about like a hired hand and stuff. It said you can only keep them for a certain number of years, right? Yeah, the for 50. I think Laban was it seven years? It said something about like seven years and then release them. Like if they owed you something and you kept them wasn't it Jacob? Yeah, Jacob. I couldn't seven, remember. Seven years for um one and then seven years for the other. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. That's what I was asking. My brain just left my body um, as soon as I finally got to ask the question. That's all. It was, it was 14 years total because he because he Laban deceived him, kind of. Right, but I'm saying he <laughs> kept him for seven years for each woman, wife. Yeah. That's all. interesting anybody else got something this commandment right here about the sabbath is the reason why the jews was thrown out of israel out of jerusalem the last time they didn't keep the shamata years they didn't keep the jubilee years i agree we're gonna see. We're gonna see some of the um, curses for not keeping the Sabbath years in twenty six. So I agree with you. Nobody else has anything. <laughs> that was a lengthy chapter. Well, I don't want to get ahead of the. <laughs> There's a lot in this, but it takes the whole tour portion to me to say what I want to say. 
All right. Well, we can get through it and discuss it if y'all want. It doesn't bother me. Everybody can do, I mean, I usually try to tell people to take notes anyways. We can have a long, lengthy discussion about all of it. Makes Look, editing easier anyways. <laughs> because me and Mike talking the other day, and I think he said it was Ezekiel. I thought it was Isaac, but he said it was Ezekiel that had to be on one side for so many years and then on the other side for so many years. Yeah. That that ties into that this commandment also. You're correct. I don't know that I put that in the Torah portion either, did I? No, I didn't. Dang. We'll go through and read that one too, I guess. <laughs> There's a lot. Um, all right. Well, I'll just go through and give some of my opinions. I think because at first when I was reading this, it was kind of it didn't like it didn't seem to explain itself. But the way that I understand the Jubilee is if you were to sell your land to an individual, they would technically have 49 years, right? In the 50th year, they're supposed to give it back. So if you redeem it, the price would be higher because you just took X amount of years from the time that you purchased it to the Jubilee away from them that they could have used this land. Um, but if it's closer to the Jubilee when you redeem it, the price would be lower because you're still going to get some money out of it because regardless at the you know 50th year, they would get the property back anyways. And this is why he's saying you are to act justly with the wages. You know, don't, don't jack up the price, even though next year you're going to have to give it back to them for free. At least you're making something out of it and you just harvested the produce from it, you know, for the last, uh, I guess it'd be like 40 years because you have to count for the Shemitah years. So that's the way that I interpret that, in case anybody was curious. But yeah. Now let's get into the fun stuff. Leviticus chapter 26. <clears throat> Do not make idols for yourselves. Set up a carved image or sacred pillar for yourselves or place a sculpted stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am Yahweh, your God. You must keep my Sabbaths and revere my sanctuary. I am Yahweh. If you follow my statutes and faithfully observe my commands, I will give you rain at the right time. And the land will yield its produce and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest. And the grape harvest will continue until sowing time. You will have plenty of food to eat and live securely in your land. I will give peace to the land and you will lie down with nothing to frighten you. I will remove dangerous animals from the land and no sword will pass through your land. You will pursue your enemies and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will pursue 100 and 100 of you will pursue 10,000. Your enemies will fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you, make you fruitful and multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. You will eat the old grain of the previous year and will clear out the old to make room for the new. I will place my residence among you and I will not reject you. That's important. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be their slaves. 
I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live in freedom. But if you do not obey me and observe all these commands, if you reject my statutes and despise my ordinances and do not observe all my commands and break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will bring terror on you, wasting disease and fever that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You will sow your seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. I will turn against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and you will flee even though no one is pursuing you. But if after these things you will not obey me, I will proceed to discipline you seven times for your sins. I will break down your strong pride. I will make your sky like iron and your land like bronze. And your strength will be used up for nothing. Your land will not yield its produce and the trees of the land will not bear their fruit. If you act with hostility toward me and are unwilling to obey me, I will multiply your plagues seven times for your sins. I will send wild animals against you that will deprive you of your children, ravage your livestock, and reduce your numbers until your roads are deserted. If in spite of these things you do not accept my discipline, but act with hostility toward me, then I will act with hostility towards you. I will also, or I also will strike you seven times for your sins. I will bring a sword against you to execute the vengeance of the covenant. Though you withdraw into your cities, I will send a pestilence among you, and you will be delivered into enemy hands. When I cut off your bread of supply, or your supply of bread, ten women will bake your bread in a single oven and ration out your bread by weight, so that you will eat but not be satisfied. And if in spite of this you do not obey me, but act with hostility toward me, I will act with furious hostility toward you. I will also discipline you seven times for your sins. You will eat the flesh of your sons. You will eat the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, and heap your dead bodies on the lifeless bodies of your idols. I will reject you. I will reduce your cities to ruins and devastate your sanctuaries. I will not smell the pleasing aroma of your sacrifices. I also will devastate the land so that your enemies who come to live there will be appalled by it. But I will scatter you among the nations, and I will draw a sword to chase after you, so your land will become desolate and your cities will become ruins. Then the land will make up for its Sabbath years during the time it lies desolate while you are in the land of your enemies. At that time, the land will rest and make up for its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it will have the rest it did not have during your Sabbaths when you lived there. I will put anxiety in the hearts of those of you who survive in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a wind-driven leaf will put them to flight, and they will flee as one flees from a sword, and fall though no one is pursuing them. They will stumble over one another as if fleeing from a sword, though no one is pursuing them. You will not be able to stand against your enemies. You will perish among the nations. The land of your enemies will devour you. Those who survive in the lands of your enemies will waste away because of their sin. They will also waste away because of their father's sins along with theirs. But if they will confess their sins and the sins of their fathers, their unfaithfulness that they practiced against me and how they acted with hostility, hostility toward me, and I acted with hostility toward them and brought them into the land of their enemies, and if their uncircumcised hearts will be humbled 
And if they will pay the penalty for their sin, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. I will also remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. And I will remember the land for the land abandoned by them will make up for its Sabbaths by lying desolate without the people while they pay the penalty for their sin, because they rejected my ordinances and abhorred my statutes. Yet in spite of this, while they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject or abhor them so as to destroy them and break my covenant with them, since I am Yahweh their God. For their sake, I will remember the covenant with their fathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am Yahweh. These are the statutes, ordinances, and laws the Lord established between himself and the Israelites through Moses on Mount Sinai. That's that last verse. There's a good one for, you know, people that say that the law of Moses is different than the law of God. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> people forget that as a Abba gave Ten Commandments. The people hollered and yelled and said, tell him to stop, Moses. Tell him to tell you. And yep. then you tell us. And they just think that the only thing that was gave, given there was the Ten Commandments. That's, that's why when, whenever I like I'm explaining things to people and they want to, you know, bring that up about, oh, we only have to get the Ten Commandments. I take them right to Exodus 20 and it's like, okay. I want you to see something. <laughs> if you tell me that the Ten Commandments are all that apply, then why is it that in the same sentence structure, the same paragraph, you know, or, or you know, uh, chapter, right after he gets done with the tenth, the people are scared and they tell Moses to go up to the mountain and get the rest of the law and that they will obey it. There's no difference. And I think he was very strategic in the 10. Um, it's better understood as the 10 sayings or 10 phrases than the 10 commands. Um, but I think he was very strategic in giving the 10 phrases that he did. This, I call it the oracles of God. The very word the very word spoken to the people. Yeah. Yep. And then so it's funny and I shared this on Facebook too. Um, earlier, but it says right here. Yeah, verse 13. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live in freedom. And then the very next thing he says, but if you do not obey me and observe all these commands, well, hang on. I thought the law was bondage. I thought that we have freedom from the law. No, no, no. You have freedom because of the law. You have freedom from all of the evil that dwells in this world because you keep the law. 
That's the thing. You live in security from the Lord your God because you obey him. You obey his charge. What did he say? Taste and see for next week. He said, taste his word and see. Yes, ma'am. You know, he chose the smallest mountain amongst all those mountains. Mount Sinai is the smallest mountain in the area. I did not know that. That chapter is, though, it's powerful. That and Deuteronomy 28. Everybody gets so wrapped up on, um, this is what I was telling Michael the other day, essentially, but everybody gets wrapped up on all of Do we have to follow the law aspect? Like what, what, what really is it going to hurt you? <laughs> And it's going to hurt that flesh. They're going to have to deny that flesh. That's exactly right. That's where he says, pick up the cross and follow me. Not did John the Baptist say, I must decrease that he may increase. That's what we're all supposed to do. Well, everybody else ain't got nothing to say. <laughs> it was a hundred, it was 490 years that um, Judah didn't keep the watch call it. And that left seven Sabbaths, seven Jubilees, they didn't keep 70. So yeah, if, if if you pay attention, we'll 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 put a stop to we'll put a pause to twenty seven real quick. If you paid attention to the chapter, he said that you know if you will confess the sins of yourselves and your fathers, right? 
Mm-hmm. Let's go to Daniel 9. This is something that I forgot to add in here. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll start reading um, at least to like 19. That says, uh, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, a Mede by birth, who was ruler over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. I believe that's Jeremiah chapter 25 for anybody curious. Uh, so I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And then I want y'all to listen to this prayer. And that's what the subheading for this is. It says, I prayed to the Lord God, the Lord my God, and confessed, Ah, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, leaders, fathers, and all the people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but this day public shame belongs to us, the men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are near and those who are far, and all the countries where you have dispersed them because of the disloyalty they have shown toward you. Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God, though we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by following his instructions that he set before us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has broken your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. The promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. He has carried out his words that he spoke against us and against our rulers by bringing on us so great a disaster that nothing like what has been done to Jerusalem has ever been done under all the heaven. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not appeased the Lord our God by turning away from our iniquities and paying attention to your truth. So the Lord kept the disaster in mind and brought it on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all he has done, but we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made your name renowned as it is this day. We have sinned. We have acted wickedly. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, may your anger and wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, for because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become an object of ridicule to all those around us. Therefore, our God, 
hear the prayer and petitions of your servant. Show your favor to your desolate sanctuary for the Lord's sake. Listen, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city called by your name. For we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassion. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay because your city and your people are called by your name. That's Daniel's prayer. That's a good part too, buddy. It, don't that sound like Baruch? Uh, a part of the book of Baruch, the prayer. It sounds like a lot of biography, yeah. <laughs> was it Nehemiah the other day I was reading? There was a really good prayer in there, too. Sounds a lot like that. Please forgive us. <laughs> Be Nehemiah or Ezra. And it's chapter eight. I can't remember whether it's Ezra or Nehemiah. I know what you're talking about, though. But yeah, that's that came to mind. I was reading it this morning. I was going back through the fortune and reading that, and I forgot to add that. That's immediately what I thought of when I read Leviticus 26. So good stuff. He's not praying just for himself. He was praying for all of Israel. And I think it's funny. Like you listen to some of the words that he uses, some of the things that he says. As a prophet of God, he's saying, we have not listened to the prophets. We have done this. <laughs> you know, we did not turn from our sins and went back to the law of Moses. All the while, he's a prophet. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, really, really close. Yahweh, the God of heaven, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who keep him, who love him and keep his commands. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that now I pray to you. That's Nehemiah 1. Yeah, Nehemiah's prayer. I thought this was a prayer. Of course, it's not, it's not near all of it, of course, but it's just it seems to be a common theme. That was a common behavior. Yeah, common theme for a common behavior. <laughs> yep. I think most prophets did kind of like mediate with God for the people. I mean, that prayer could be prayed today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it likely should be prayed today. It probably should be. Surprised we haven't gotten a letter from Paul. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, foolish Americans, who has bewitched you? <laughs> <laughs> Where were you? <laughs> That's pretty good there. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I am so using that tomorrow, some way or another. Right. I'm using that. <laughs> That's all right. Foolish Americans who has bewitched you. All right, y'all want to go to 27 now? I just had to throw that in there. I'm ready. All right. <clears throat> the Lord spoke to Moses, speak to the Israelites and tell them, when someone makes a special vow to the Lord that involves the assessment of people, if the assessment concerns a male from 20 to 60 years old, your assessment is 50 sh silver shekels measured by the standard sanctuary shekel. If the person is a female, your assessment is 30 shekels. If the person is from 5 to 20 years old, your assessment for a male is 20 shekels and for a female, 10 shekels. If the person is from 1 month to 5 years old, your assessment for a male is 5 silver shekels. And for a female, your assessment is 3 silver shekels. If the person is 60 years or more, your assessment is 15 shekels for a male and 10 shekels for a female. But if one is too poor to pay the assessment, he must present the person before the priest and the priest will set a value for him. The priest will set a value for him according to what the one making the vow can afford. If the vow involves one of the animals that may be brought as an offering to the Lord, any of these he gives to the Lord will be holy. He may not replace it or make a substitution for it, either good or either good for bad or bad for good. But if he does not substitute one animal for another, or but if he does substitute one animal for another, both that animal and its substitute will be holy. If the vow involves any of the unclean animals that may not be brought as an offering to the Lord, the animal must be presented before the priest. The priest will set its value, whether high or low. The price will be set as the priest makes assessment for you. If the one who brought it decides to redeem it, he must add a fifth to the assessed value. When a man consecrates his house as a holy to the Lord, the priest will assess its value, whether high or low. The, the price will stand just as the priest assess assesses it. But if the one who consecrated his house redeems it, he must add a fifth to the assessed value and it will be his. If a man consecrates to the Lord any part of a field that he possesses, your assessment of value will be proportional to the seed needed to sow it, at the rate of 50 silver shekels for every five bushels of barley seed. If he, can, if he consecrates his year during the year of Jubilee, the price will stand according to your assessment. But if he consecrates his year or his field after the Jubilee, the priest will calculate the price for him in proportion to the years left until the next year of Jubilee so that your assessment will be reduced. If the one who consecrated the field decides to redeem it, he must add a fifth to the assessed value and the field will transfer back to him. But if he does not redeem the field or if he has sold it to another man, it is no longer redeemable. When the field is released in the Jubilee, it will be holy to the Lord like a field permanently set apart. It becomes the priest's property. If a person consecrates to the Lord a field 
he has purchased that is not part of his inheritance or inherited land holding, the priest will calculate for him the amount of assessment up to the year of Jubilee. And the person will pay the assessed value on that day as a holy offering to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field will return to the one he bought it from, the original owner. All your assessed values will be measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, 20 geras to the shekel. But no one can consecrate a firstborn of the livestock, whether an animal from the herd or flock, to the Lord, because a firstborn already belongs to the Lord. If it is one of the unclean livestock, it must be ransomed, according to your assessment, by adding a fifth of its value to it. If it is not redeemed, it can be sold according to your assessment. Nothing that a man permanently sets apart to the Lord from all he owns, whether a person, an animal, or his inherited land holding, can be sold or redeemed. Everything set apart is especially holy to the Lord. No person who has been set apart for destruction is to be ransomed. He must be put to death. Every tenth of the land's produce, grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. If a man decides to redeem any part of, his, of this tenth, he must add a fifth to its value. Every tenth animal from the herd or flock which passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. He is not to inspect whether it is good or bad, and he is not to make a substitution for it. But if he does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute will be holy. They cannot be redeemed. These are the commands the Lord gave Moses for the Israelites on Mount Sinai. We have officially finished Leviticus. Jeremiah 16. I would talk more. I'm trying to consult my child. Understandable. Jeremiah 16, 19 through 17, 14 <clears throat> says, Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in a time of distress, the nations will come to you from the ends of the earth, and they will say, our fathers inherited only lies, worthless idols of no benefit at all. Can one make gods for himself? But they are not gods. Therefore, I am about to inform them and this time I will make them know my power and my might, and they will know that my name is Yahuwah. The sin of Judah is written with an iron stylus, with a diamond point it is engraved on the tablet of their hearts and on the horn of their altars. While their children remember their altars and their Asherah poles by the green trees on the high hills, my mountains in the countryside, I will give up your wealth and all your treasures as plunder because of the sin of your high places and all your borders. You will, on your own, relinquish your inheritance that I gave you. I will make you serve your enemies in a land you do not know. For you have set my anger on fire. It will burn forever. This is what the Lord says. The man who trusts in mankind, who makes human flesh his strength, and turns his heart from the Lord, is cursed. He will be like a juniper in the Ereba. He cannot see when good comes, 
but dwells in the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land where no one lives. The man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. He will be like a, a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes, and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? I, Yahweh, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. He who makes a fortune unjustly is like a partridge that hatches eggs it didn't lay. In the middle of his days, his riches will abandon him, so in the end he will be a fool. A throne of glory on high from the beginning is the Lord, or is the place of our sanctuary. Lord, the hope of Israel, all who abandon you will be put to shame. All who turn away from me and will or all who turn away from me will be written in the dirt, for they have abandoned the Lord, the fountain of living water. Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are my praise. I'm going to keep reading 18. Um, hear how they keep challenging me. Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. But I have not run away from being your shepherd, and I have not longed for the fatal day. You know my words were spoken in your presence. Don't become a terror to me. You are my refuge in the day of disaster. Let my persecutors be put to shame, but don't let me be put to shame. Let them be terrified, but don't let me be terrified. Bring on them the day of disaster. Shatter them with total destruction. Go to Isaiah 5, 8 through 16. It says, woe to those who add house to house and join field to field until there is no more room, and you alone are left in the land. I heard the Lord of hosts say, Indeed, many houses will become desolate, grand and lovely ones without inhabitants. For a ten-acre vineyard will yield only six gallons, and ten bushels of seed will yield only one bushel. Woe to those who rise early in the morning in pursuit of beer, who linger into the evening inflamed by wine. At their feasts they have lyre, harp, tambourine, flute, and wine. They do not perceive the Lord's actions, and they do not see the work of his hands. Therefore, my people will go into exile, because they lack knowledge. Her dignitaries are starving, and her masses are parched with thirst. Therefore, Sheol enlarges its throat and opens wide its enormous jaws. And down, to, and down go Zion's dignitaries, her masses, her crowds, and those who carouse her, or carouse in her. Humanity is brought low, man is humbled, and haughty eyes are humbled. But the Lord of hosts is exalted by his justice, and the holy God is distinguished by righteousness. A fun, um, I guess you could call it a word study. A fun little word search or study to do is how many times you read in the Old Testament about New Jerusalem or Zion. Um, basically weeping over the loss of her children or not having birthed her children. That's a fun one.
Isaiah 27, 12, and 13 says, On that day, the Lord will thresh grain from the Euphrates River as far as the Wadi of Egypt, and you, Israelites, will be gathered one by one. On that day, a great trumpet will be blown, and those lost in the land of Assyria will come, as well as those dispersed in the land of Egypt, and they will worship the Lord at Jerusalem on the holy mountain. Boy, you move fast that little bit of time. <laughs> you no. you already at Isaiah? Yeah. We're actually going to make Jeremiah, but. Okay, then I'm <laughs> going to Jeremiah. <laughs> oh, I misspelled. It's, it's not Jeremiah 24, it's 34. I had to fix that. So Jeremiah thirty four, twelve through twenty. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. <laughs> from the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I made a covenant with your ancestors when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, saying, at the end of seven years, each of you must free his Hebrew brother who sold himself to you. He may serve you six years, but then you must send him out free from you. But your ancestors did not obey me or pay any attention. Today you repented and did what pleased me each of you proclaiming freedom for his neighbor. You made a covenant before me at the temple called by my name, but you have changed your minds and profaned my name. Each has taken back his male and female slaves who had, who had been freed to go wherever they wanted, and you have again subjugated them to be your slaves. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You have not obeyed me by proclaiming freedom, each man for his brother and for his neighbor. I hereby proclaim freedom for you. This is the Lord's declaration. To the sword, to plague, and to famine, I will make you a horror to all the earth's kingdoms. As for those who disobeyed my covenant, not keeping the terms of the covenant they made before me, I will treat them like the calf they cut into, cut into in order to pass between its pieces. The officials of Judah and Jerusalem the court officials, the priests, and all the people of the land who passed between the pieces of the calf will be handed over to their enemies, to those who want to take their life. Their corpses will become food for the birds of the sky and for the wild animals of the land. What's it talking about, passed through the calf? Give me a second. I'm I'm heard of that before. Is that that ain't part of a um sacrifice, is it? That is part of a covenant. 
when yeah. you seal a covenant, they would sacrifice the bull or calf and walk between the pieces. Yep. Do you know where we can find that in, in the Bible? Yeah, I believe they do that um, when um, God makes his um, covenant with Abraham. It's in there. Yeah. It's in yeah. that. So it's the Abraham covenant. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I'm trying to find the exact place. That's what I'm doing right now. I thought it was in 15, but I'm not. I'm not seeing it. Do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. Um, verse 9, is, it says, He said to them, Bring me a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle, or a turtle dove, not turtle, <laughs> a young pigeon. So he brought all these to him, split them down the middle, and laid the pieces opposite each other, but he did not cut up the birds. Birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. Yeah. And then... Verse 17, when the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, I will give this land to your offspring from the brook of Egypt to the Euphrates River. Yeah, I thought it was in 15. Well, I learned something. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Now, although it's not in here, we'll read uh, chapter 4 in Ezekiel, or at least a portion of it. Ezekiel 1. Chapter 4. You got that on there? Yeah, I don't have it on the thing i need to write these down actually real quick everything that i'm reading because when i put this online i want to make sure daniel nine what else did we read that was not in here i think that was it oh well genesis 15 and all that Anyhow, yeah, so Ezekiel chapter 4 says this, and I'll just read the whole thing. <laughs> it says, now you, son of man, take a brick, set it in front of you, and draw the city of Jerusalem on it. Then lay siege against it, construct a siege wall, build a ramp, pitch military camps, and place battering rams against it on all sides. Take an iron plate and set it up as an iron wall between yourself and the city. Turn your face toward it so that it is under siege, and besiege it. This will be a sign for the house of Israel. Then lie down on your left side and place the iniquity of the house of Israel on it. You will bear their iniquity for the number of days you lie on your side. For I have assigned you the years of their iniquity according to the number of days you lie down. 390 days. So you will bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. When you have completed these days, lie down again, but on your right side, and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. I have assigned you 40 days, a day for each year. 
you must turn your face toward the siege of Jerusalem with your arm barred or your arm bared and prophesy against it. Be aware that I will put cords on you so that you cannot turn from side to side until you have finished the days of your siege. Also take wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and spelt. Put them in a single container and make them into bread for yourself. You are to eat it during the number of days you lie on your side, 390 days. The food you eat each day will be eight ounces by weight. You will eat it from time to time. You are also to drink water by measure, a sixth of a gallon, which you will drink from time to time. You will eat it as you would a barley cake and bake it over dried human excrement in their sight. The Lord said, this is how the Israelites will eat their bread, ceremonially unclean, among the nations where I will banish them. But I said, O Lord God, I have never been defiled. From my youth until now, I have not eaten anything that died naturally or was mauled by beasts by beasts and impure meat has never entered my mouth he replied to me look i will let you use cow dung instead of human excrement and you can make your bread over that then he said to me son of man i am going to cut off the supply of bread in jerusalem they will anxiously eat bread rationed by weight and in dread drink water by measure so they will lack bread and water everyone will be devastated and waste away because of their iniquity there's multiple different peoples that we're reading from here, and it's all the same story. They didn't listen. You notice in the pattern? <laughs> yep. I like something else, too. I didn't know he said to use human dawn and yeah. then the cow dawn. <laughs> yeah. That's why everybody, everybody talks about Ezekiel's bread, and I'm like, yeah, just don't cook it over no cow dawn. <laughs> so what he was saying is the bread that they eat outside of the land is that what it's talking about what do you mean the bread that he eats or the bread that they eat they eat outside the land is yeah, on it would go back to what we read in Leviticus. So you will eat your bread by measure and you will not be satisfied. He said, I'm going to cut off their supply of bread. That's what I'm saying. This, all of this ties into Leviticus 26 and it, it goes into, you know, not letting. That's, that's the thing about the Sabbaths. And it's not just the seventh day Sabbath. I know, you know, you have like your seventh day Adventists that just, they go hardcore on everybody about, you got to keep the Saturday Sabbath. It's not just the Saturday Sabbath. It's all of his appointed times, especially, especially the Shemitah years and the Jubilee years. It's all of his appointed times. His Sabbaths period with an S, you know, plural, are important. That's all of them. Say, it. Mm -hmm. Every one of them. It's yeah. an appointment. Yeah, especially the especially the three years where he said, or the three times a year where he said, "You will appear before me." 
And I mean, when we was in the world, we ran to do the worldly holidays. If if we say we love the Father, why shouldn't we be running to do his feast day? I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I think, uh, no, I wish that there was a, a way to like swap them out, like here. I'll work on Christmas. <laughs> I'll work on Christmas. Just let me off on these days. <laughs> Babylon, right? <laughs> I would do it. I would do it. Oh. All right, I've never read this. We're about to read it's the testament of the 12 patriarchs of Zebulun. We had started those one time, remember? Yeah, I think we've got uh, Judah because I have some, and I think we did like four of them. Yeah. I gotta find it. <laughs> it's in here somewhere. Ah, here it is. And it's the ninth chapter, the whole thing, it's one, two, nine. It says, <clears throat> Pay heed to the streams. When they flow in the same channel, they carry along stones, wood, and sand. But if they are divided into many channels, the earth swallows them and they become unproductive. And you shall be thus if you are divided. Don't be divided into two heads, because everything the Lord has made has a single head. He provides two shoulders, two hands, two feet, but all members obey one head. In the writing of the fathers, I came to know that in the last days you shall defect from the Lord and you shall be divided in Israel and you shall follow after two kings. You shall commit every abomination and worship every idol. Your enemies will take you captive and you shall reside among the Gentiles with all sorts of sickness and tribulation and oppression of soul. And thereafter you will remember the Lord and repent and he will turn you around because he is merciful and compassionate. He does not bring a charge at wickedness against the sons of men, since they are flesh and the spirits of deceit lead them astray in all their actions. And thereafter the Lord himself will arise upon you and the light of righteousness with healing and compassion in his wings. He will liberate every captive of the sons of, the sons of men from Beliar, and every spirit of error will be trampled down. He will turn all nations to be zealous for him. And you shall see. This says, I don't know what this means. You shall see he whom the Lord will cho choose. Jerusalem in his name or is his name. You will provoke him to wrath by the wickedness of your works. And you will be rejected until the time of the end. See, that's what gets me that last part right there. That stood with me today. I'm like, he's in until the end. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. You understand what I'm saying? He's saying if they do these things, they're going to be rejected until the end. I think so. When it says Jerusalem is his name, I wonder if this is speaking about Yeshua. Jerusalem is never, ever, 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 ever identified as a he, ever. It's always a she, every single time. Zion, New Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. It's always Read a it over. Read it one more time. It says, um, thereafter the Lord himself will arise upon you. And the light of righteousness will, with healing and compassion in his wings. That makes me think of Yeshua. He will liberate every captive of the sons of men from Beliar, and every spirit of error will be trampled down. He will turn all nations to being zealous for him, and you shall see he whom the Lord will choose. Makes me think of Yeshua, and it says Jerusalem is his name. You will provoke him to wrath by the wickedness of your works, and you will be rejected until the time of the end. Well, look up that Jerusalem word and make sure that's the regional. I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> I've tried to find. I'm. I may have to wait on that. I've tried to find how to, uh, like, do a interlinear of the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. Because healing on his wings and stuff isn't that in Psalms also. I think it's in Psalms, but it reminds me of uh, when Yeshua, I think it's at the end of Matthew 23, where he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have light, how high, how high have wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Would that be my story? Yeah, I'll see if I can't find a um, interlinear after this. That's something I ain't never been able to do. I've been trying to do that for a lot of these books. Just to see. You know, curiosity and whatnot. <laughs> Well, you know how you can pull up one verse for multiple Bibles? Yeah. That's the way I look. And I look to see what if it's got the same word in the in all the and sometimes you'll get something that's different that you can go and look up to see the Hebrew reading of that word. Uh, me and my wife are arguing uh, and I missed that. <laughs> I have a interlinear in my hand here. What what verse is it? Do you have the testament of the twelve patriarchs in it? Oh no. This is just the interlinear from Yeah, that's what yeah. <laughs> what you would do is look up the word doesn't have the testament of the twelve patriarchs. Do what? Doesn't the Septuagint have 
you may be onto something. I was like reading something about the Septuagint and like different translations and stuff where I was doing my study on justification. And uh um it um was talking about how a lot of the apocryphal or due to canonical, whatever we want to call them, books were included in the Septuagint. Um, and then later they kind of like remove things. Yeah, like we all know they do. Uh, not in this one anyhow, it's not. Not in the darn it. <laughs> I tried to be a big brain, it didn't work. I'll see if I can't find. We'll look at it from another few versions after the fact. This is why I want to get another. Uh, I want to get the updated complete apocrypha, like 2022 20, or 2023 version. I want to get that one. I think it has that in it. But I am still very thankful that I bought the entire pseudepigrapha, even though it has things like the Book of Adam and Eve that I think is hilarious. Um. <laughs> I just realized what you was saying. When Jeannie said that it's not in the original Bibles, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said you're gonna have to give me because that's gonna take a little while. <laughs> but I did. Um, um, healing on his wings is in the original Bible. I do know that somewhere's in there, but I can't give you the address. Yeah, see, like, yeah, we'll go through that here in a second. <laughs> we got, all right, I can zoom over this real quick. Y'all meet me in Judges chapter 11, and I'll read the first little snippet of uh, the Jubilees. which is just 25 through 28 and it says um, and they will all be called children of the living God and every angel and every spirit will know yeah they will know that these are my children and that I am their father in uprightness and righteousness and that I love them and do you write down for thyself all these words which I declare unto you on this mountain the first and the last which shall come to pass and all the divisions of the days in the law and in the testimony, and in the weeks, and the jubilees, unto eternity, until I descend and dwell with them throughout eternity. And he said to the angel of the presence, write for Moses from the beginning of creation until my sanctuary has been built among them for all eternity. And the Lord will appear to the eyes of all, and all will know that I am the God of Israel, and the father of the children of Jacob, and king on Mount Zion for all eternity. And Zion and Jerusalem will be holy. What a fun time that's going to be.
that's what we all hope for right there. Judges 11, 29 through 40, says this. Um, the spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah, who traveled through Gilead and Manasseh, and then through Mizpah of Gilead. He crossed over to the Ammonites of Mizpah of Gilead. Jephthah made this vow to the Lord. If you will hand over the Ammonites to me, whatever comes out of the doors of my house to greet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites will belong to the Lord, and I will offer it as a burnt offering. Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord handed them over to him. He defeated 20 of their cities with a great slaughter from Aror all the way to the entrance of Minas and to Abel Karamim. So the Ammonites were subdued before the Israelites. When Jephthah went to his home in Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with tambourines and dancing. She was his only child. He had no other son or daughter besides her. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, No, not my daughter. You have devastated me. You have brought great misery on me. I have given my word to the Lord and cannot take it back. Then, he, then she said to him, My father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you have said, for the Lord brought vengeance on your enemies, the Ammonites. She also said to her father, Let me do this one thing. Let me wander two months through the mountains with my friends and mourn my virginity. Go, he said, and he sent her away two months. So she left with her friends and mourned her virginity as she wandered through the mountains. At the end of two months, she returned to her father, and he kept the vow he had made about her, and she had never been intimate with a man. Now it became a custom in Israel that four days each year the young men of Israel would commemorate the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite. And that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> There's speculation that. Um, she was ransomed to the temple. But I don't know. Where are you finding that? Where I find what at? That she was ransomed. That's what the Jews believe. Okay. That's a, a Jewish tradition that she became a servant in the temple. Basically, she was dedicated to the temple. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, well, I thought she was talking about she became a prostitute. No. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Get out of that Jewish book. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> is that still is that still in the testaments of the twelve patriarchs? No, that's Judges chapter eleven. Okay, I thought so. I was like, "What? This story is the same story?" <laughs> that's yeah. That's, that's Jephthah's daughter. I'm like, this book must be valid. <laughs> same story than the other. I can tell you what's not valid. Uh, not to go on a side tangent, because we're almost through this portion. 
Justin's like, we but will finish. We will finish. Um, I went through some things in Jasher today, and oh, buddy. I, I, Jasher, I, okay. I, I do not take Jasher as scripture. I do not. I'll, I'll share with you guys some of the things that I found at the end of this, if you want. Um, that sounds intriguing. I'm intrigued. I, I mean, I plan to go through it step by step and see what all I can find to bring two people that use it as scripture because it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. Um, Ken and um, Sean were going through Jasher the last time I was watching King, uh, the Honor of Kings. I swear they were. And I don't. And I don't know if Ken uses it, but I know that Sean doesn't. Sean doesn't take it as scripture. He doesn't. Um, and I always, I'm always weary when people are like, "Yeah, the Book of Adam and Eve," and I'm like, <laughs> "Okay." No. I haven't even read it. I just heard someone telling me stories that were in it, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm good." There's only a handful. All right. Anyways, what Second Chronicles? We digress. Second Chronicles 15 through 21. <laughs> it says. But Yahweh, the God of their ancestors, sent word against them by the hand of his messengers, sending them time and time again. For he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place, but they kept ridiculing God's messengers, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the Lord's wrath was so stirred up against his people that there was no remedy. So he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their choice young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary. He had no pity on young men or young women, elderly or aged. He handed them all over to him. He took everything to Babylon, all the articles of God's temple, large and small, the treasures of the Lord's temple, and the treasures of the king and his officials. Then the Chaldeans burned God's temple. They tore down Jerusalem's wall, burned down all its palaces, and destroyed all its valuable articles. He deported those who escaped from the sword to Babylon. And they became servants to him and his sons until the rise of the Persian kingdom. Uh, this fulfilled the word of the Lord through Jeremiah and the land enjoyed its Sabbath rest all the days of the desolation until 70 years were fulfilled. Didn't Jeremiah buy some land from one of his kinfolks that was supposed to go into Babylon? Um, I, I think that, yeah, I think that's in it's in there because I remember it was it was talking about why would you buy land knowing these fish to go into Babylon? It's God's promise that you're going to come out of Babylon. Jeremiah 32. Yes, I googled it. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. I, well, I should I shouldn't have because I've I've read it before because Jeremiah thirty one goes through thirty three. I do it stuff. every single day. I'm like I I know the words and I know what I want to say, but I, I have to Google the word because I can't like off the top of my head. Yeah. 
That's me every day, all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you where most of it is in there, but I can tell you it's in there. Yep, he bought it for 17 shekels of silver. I recorded it on a scroll, sealed it, called in witnesses, and weighed out the silver in the scales. I took the purchase agreement, the sealed copy with its terms and conditions, and the open copy, and gave the purchase agreement to Baruch, son of Neriah, son of Masaiah. I did this in the sight of my cousin, Hanamel, and the witnesses who were signing the purchase agreement, and all the Judeans sit, are sitting in the guards' courtyard. Yeah, see you. You know, he didn't even go to Babylon. He went and got on the shield. Because I know that they tried to kill him. I know they kept trying to get that's which that goes right back into the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, murdering all your people. Um, first Samuel 1 19 to 28. It says, the next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to bow and worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with her wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord. When Elkanah and all his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explain to her husband, after the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband Elkanah replied, do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh as well as a three-year-old bull, half a bushel of flour, and a jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Please, my Lord, she said, as sure as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he bowed and worshiped to the Lord there. That's in conjunction with the the judges thing, but we'll get back to that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, Luke 4. One quick question. So like, I see that like, it seems like the theme I don't know that I've at least picked out in the last two um, things you read is people making vows and sticking with them. Making vows and sticking with them. That is correct. Yeah. All right. That's a, that's, I guess that wasn't really a question. More of an <laughs> observance, I guess. Carry on. Um. Yeah, Luke 4, 14 through 22. And it says this. Then Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. 
he was teaching in their synagogues, began or being acclaimed by everyone. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. They were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? <laughs> I can just imagine that. <laughs> Young Yeshua just doing the uh, mic drop. <laughs> That's funny. You, you remember I told you um, they treated that, was it David, the same way? You know, they didn't think that David was their father's son. That's the reason he was out in the fields with the sheets. You remember, Dustin, I sent you that study? Or oh, I sent you some stuff off of it. I think you had sent me some stuff. I just don't think that I looked at it. So now Boy. I have something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. He was accused of the same thing as the Messiah was. It's interesting. I think about it like you know you've known a kid forever and then he starts acting like that and you're like where did you come from you're like that scrawny scraggly little kid we saw like two years ago scrawny scraggly kid good lord it's still surreal to me that that uh Jesus seems like he's so you know Oh, he he was wise and seems like he's older than he is at the time. It's hard to believe that I'm like a decade older than he was when when he died. I'm about to be as old as he was when he started his ministry. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly. But even like even like with that, like speaking of decades, he's got like decades of more wisdom than what I do <laughs> at that point. So you see what he was doing to the scribe at what around twelve at the temple. He had them in all amazed. It was amazing to see him.
funny we were talking about the take up your cross thing because that's what we're about to read. <laughs> um, Matthew 16. It says, uh, he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. But he turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me because you are not thinking about God's concerns, but man's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. What will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will reward each according to what he has done. I assure you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. That's the end of the portion. <laughs>